welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. Well, this last season, we've been preaching on a culture of, and we've named different things, culture of volunteering, culture of a whole bunch of things, and it's been really good to hear how culture affects us. Someone in business once said that culture eats purpose for breakfast. In other words, if the culture is right in an organization or a church, things change and things will happen. And that's why we're preaching on culture, because we believe that the cultural foundation of the church has to be super-duper strong. We all get our purpose. We all get the fact that we need to love God and love one another. We get all that kind of stuff. But to outwork our culture in practice is a whole different ballgame. And that's why we're preaching on culture, because we believe that God wants to take us further. He wants to t- us to take He wants to take us deeper in Him, and He wants us to, He wants to take us further as a church body in Him. So that's why we're preaching on culture. And this morning, I want to preach a word on the culture of potential. The culture of potential. And every single person here this morning has fulfilled a portion of their potential. But who knows there's more. There's a lot more. That God wants to use us more. He wants to do more in us. And this morning, I want to preach to the potential within you. I want to preach to the purpose that's in your life. I want to preach to the potential, the Christ potential that is within you. Because number one is we start with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, I'll invite everyone in this room to know Jesus by the end of the service, because it's important that we know Him. We know Jesus as the Christ. Many of us had experiences as we were younger. We might have had a religious experience, a church experience, a negative experience, or a positive experience. But whatever that experience that may be, I I want to introduce you to the real Jesus Christ here this morning. Jesus isn't cruel. He doesn't torment you. He's not condemning you. He's not harsh on you. He loves you, and He wants to draw you unto Himself. And that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So many people have negative connotations with church, because when you think of church, you think of church as someplace that's highly, highly corrective all the time. We are corrective some of the time, but some people know church, that their association with church is a place that they know the church is what is what's it against. We know the church is against this. We know the church is against that. The church is, and and there's a whole list of things the church are against, but I want to tell you there's more things the church are for than the church is against. And Jesus is for you here this morning, and He's cheering you on, but we want to to introduce people to Jesus because there's a call and there's a purpose in following Jesus Christ. So this morning we want to preach on the culture of potential. I'm going to be dipping in and out of two different things. One, I'll dip into the Old Testament to give a bit of background of a culture of potential, and then I'll do another explanation from the Old Testament. I'll do an, explata- an explanation from the New Testament, how we can apply it and walk it out today. Then I'll talk about the impacts of, of, of being negative. Then I'll talk about the impacts of being positive or full of faith. So it's a fairly simple sermon, but everyone should be able to take one soundbite away from it today. And uh, it, it might be the head, the heart, the, the hand, and the heel. It's not even part of my sermon, but that's okay. I can live with that. So, I, I, I want to go over this this morning and, and really draw out that every single one of us has potential for the greatness of Christ, the goodness of God to manifest in us, and for God to do great things through us 
for the glory of God. And it's not over yet. Some of you are thinking, oh, my life's, I can only do this. I'm limited. But I want to break through some limitations here this morning. The Spirit of God will break through some limitations, some chains, some minds that need to be freed from small-mindedness to kingdom-mindedness in Jesus' name. Are we all on the same page? Come on, that's good. So this morning, let's, let's, let's look at the second slide. We've looked at cultural potential. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13. And this is Moses. He's, he's, he's inviting people. They, they've, they've come out of Egypt. They've gone through, what do you call that thing when the, 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 the sea that parted and something happened? What, what sea was it again? The Red Sea. The Red Sea parted, and Moses and the children of Israel walked through it miraculously. So they saw a, a, a miracle, and, they, and there was other things that took place. I'm going to flash back to one of these things after I do the first point. But before I get there, let's, let's look at Numbers chapter 13. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, send some men into the land. And on your screen here, it says, see what the land is like. This is his instruction. Okay, so it's very, very clear. He says, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And it was the season for ripe grapes at that time. And it says that they went out, they reached the place, and, and, and they brought back a big bunch of grapes. But let's go into slide number three. And it says, this is what the ten of the spies came back. This is the report. Now, remember the questions that Moses asked. The land, is it good or bad? The towns, fortified, unwalled, soil, good or bad, trees or not. And this is the answer they come back with. Talk about being devious and negative. We went into this land, Moses, to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But, and here's a big but, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Anakites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and all along the Jordan. If you don't know who these people are, it's like some of these guys are like terrorists, some of these tribes. They were annihilating people, killing people, slaughtering people. That's what they were up against. So it was very, very real, but they came back with a fear-filled report. Let's jump on to slide number four, and it says here that Caleb calmed the crowd and said, let's go and take the land. I know we can do it. So you see, it's underlined, it's in big writing here. This is the main point. Caleb calmed the crowd, down the crowd and said, let's go and take the land. I know we can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours all those living in it. All the people we saw were, are of great size. We saw the Nephilim. And it says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So you see, they came back with a very negative, fear-filled report. Something went wrong. Something was wrong on the inside of them. Something was manifest. Now, Let's jump into the New Testament. If we go to the next slide, 
it says that Paul wrote in, in Corinthians 1, um, 1, 10, 11, these things, now this is talking about Paul in this chapter in the context, is talking about the history of Israel. And he said, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Who's the, who's the end of the agers? That's us. So we're the end of the agers. Since Peter stood up at Pentecost in these last times, 2,000 years, in these last days, in these last times. So he stood up. So Paul's warning, warning us that we need to learn from the example of the Israelites and how they, some succeeded and some failed. And we need to look at how they failed and how they were full of fear and how they managed to allow it in. Now, if we go to the next slide, it says, what can we learn? And if we go to the next one, it says, twisted image. And the reason it's got twisted image is because from this year to that year, somebody can pass you a compliment, and between this year and that year, you can hear something different. And it can come a twisted image. Or something can go in that eyeball and go through this brain and land in this heart, and the image that was positive can end up in this heart is twisted because the lens has a problem. And it's the lens that's important. It's important that we see things and hear things without twisting them. And many of us are twisted sisters or twisted brothers. We sometimes hear things and we take and twist what's been said, even the Word of God. We twist it and make it out to be something negative that it's actually not. Hear me. Listen to this. The lens of fear or the twisted image or eating gold dust. That was, that was the option of titles, but twisted image. I felt uh, summarized it. It says, <clears throat> it says in Exodus chapter 32, I'm going to go back a little bit. So they, they crossed the Red Sea. Moses had gone up for the, the, the Ten Commandments, and he, and he come back. And, and one of the things that happened, you've got to remember, with the children of Israel, they weren't quite acting like children of Israel. They weren't acting like children of God. They had a problem in their minds on how they saw things. And here's the thing. They'd come, they'd been delivered from Pharaoh out of Egypt. They'd been delivered, they'd been set free. Pharaoh and his gang came after them, and they were washed away in the Red Sea. So they escaped to the wilderness. And the wilderness was meant to be for a few days before they entered the promised land. But something malfunctioned, not with God, not with the Egyptians, but within the people on the journey to their freedom and to the promises. And something changed. You see, Moses went up for the Ten Commandments, but he was taking ages. It's like Moses, hurry up, big man. He was taking a long time. But you see, <coughs> what happened with the children of Israel is Aaron, who was the spokesman for Moses, messed up. What he did was he took all the jewelry that they'd made, the earrings, the necklaces, all this stuff, and they decided to make an image of God for themselves. And on the way down, before Moses came down, the children of Israel took this, took this metal, this gold, and smelted it <coughs> and turned it into a golden calf. And you see, they weren't worshiping a false god, they were worshiping Yahweh, they were worshiping the real God, but their image of God was twisted. You see, they had a twisted image of how God should be because their mindset was still stuck in Egypt. 
and they were waiting on the pro- they didn't have the patience to wait on the promises or the commandments coming down the hill. So how they saw and how they perceived the Lord was twisted. There was a twist in their mind. And rather than worshiping Yahweh, God, in spirit and in truth, they worshiped Him through their idols. And something happens within people, even the people of God today, that we know Christ, but somehow our mind gets twisted as we worship God. It's important that we're not twisted in our imagery of God, but we have a right image of who He is. It also says um, um, that uh, Aaron, after he spoke to Moses, Moses came down and confronted him. And um, so they said that we threw it into the fire. And in Exodus, it says, this calf came out. And our words, Aaron was in complete denial. Talk about plants on fire. So he, uh, he denied and he said, us kind of calf just kind of came out. So there's no way they just spilt the metal and went and turned into this cow or this calf. So he had a, a wee issue of accountability there with Moses. But what happened was that they, they, they had a mindset where, where, where they wanted to worship, not the way that God wanted them to worship, in freedom, in covenant, but they worshiped on their terms. And it's important that we don't have a twisted image of God. It's important that as we see the potential that we recognize who God is. And often today in the New Testament, New Testament church, sometimes many of us have a wrong image of who God is. Some of us are twisted in how we see Him. We don't see Him the way that He sees us. We don't see Him the the way that He wants us to see Him. We have this image of God. Many people have a negative image of when you talk about God the Father. Uh, We talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Many people come to faith able to relate to Jesus incredibly. They can relate to Jesus. I love Jesus. Some people like, oh, I love the Holy Spirit. Some people really connect that God's the Father, but many people struggle to connect with God as a Father because of bad relationship with Father on earth or a male image or a male person. And that's how God wants to untwist these images, untwist our hearts and change us into people that can love God without being twisted. And we're free to love Him and worship Him. Let's look at the, 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 the next slide. There's two, there's two attitudes, or there's two um, mindsets that are formed through this story, through this journey. There's two things that take place, and I'm talking about the spies in the promised land. So when I'm talking about Moses and the, 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 the golden calf, I'm talking about what shaped people's minds and how they reacted or responded in situations. You see, they came out of the world, they came out of Egypt, but they didn't have the mind of Christ. They didn't have God's mind, God's thoughts. They didn't have the law at that time. And same with, as, as Christians, as we follow Christ, it's important that we grasp God's picture of our lives. As God paints a picture of who we are, we need to know who He is. And that picture is painted as we read the Scriptures, as we read the Word of God, and we gain an understanding of God's grace and God's love and God's power. Let's look at two mindsets the two mindsets. The baby church, J8U9, requires attention. So, that's uh, the first mindset is a baby mindset. So, if you have a baby mindset, there's a problem. Oh, two mindsets. Okay, this is the first mindset, which actually, in truth, thank you for the prophetic PowerPoint. The prophetic PowerPoints, thus saith the PowerPoint, baby mindset. So, we'll call it baby mindsets. 
is the first one. The first one is a negative mindset. Do you know how you know if you've got a negative mindset? Here we go. Are you ready? You have an inferiority complex. Does anybody here have it? Don't put your hand up. But you might feel like, you know, I've got, you always feel inferior. You always feel like you can't make it. You always feel like things are bigger than they, they actually are. It's an inferiority, inferiority complex. Number two is a spirit of fear. So it's not just fear, normal human fear, but there's a spirit of fear that operates. You ever been in a situation where you feel fear and you're like, oh my goodness. I remember one time I was in India and uh, I was in an elevator. This isn't a joke. This is a real story. I was in an elevator and one of the, <coughs> one of the giants, you know, one of the things they saw was, they saw uh, grass, they said, we are like grasshoppers, and they are giants. And one of, one of my things, it's not so much a fear, but it's like this image I've got, because when I get a mosquito bite, my body swells up, my joints swell up, and all that, so I hate getting bitten by them, because I have to get this cream and take this drug and all this kind of stuff. So I hate, so anyway, I got in this elevator going to this uh, Pastor Williams house in India, we got in the elevator, and I looked up at the light that was there, and there was hundreds of mosquitoes around it. And I was like, and my heart sank. So I began to pray in the Spirit, and suddenly faith arose. And, uh, you know, the elevator, it was like, it wasn't a fast one. It was like his wee pal was in the basement going. <laughs> and it felt like an eternity, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me here. <coughs> And there was no air conditioning in the elevator. So it was still going, and I'm going, oh, God, help me here. Anyway, I got to the end of it, and I didn't receive a bite. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you, when I looked up, the mosquitoes looked like a meter wide. It was unbelievable. Because in that moment, fear makes something bigger than it actually is. So that's the five things. The five mindsets is inferiority complex. They felt inferior to the promise. They felt inferior to the people they had to go in with. They felt inferior. They felt fear. They, were, they, they had a pessimistic mindset and a negative spirit. You ever heard a pessimist? I, I've heard a few in my time. And uh, they're not fun to be around, are they? But it's like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's glasses half full, but, you know, with evaporation, it'll be a, only a quarter full by the end of the day. And, you know, flies come around and drink some of the water. It'll just even be less. And, and if somebody accidentally knocks it over, you know, it could even be less than that. And you're like, oh my gosh, by the end of the day. Or if you get somebody that's over optimistic about, oh, it is full. It's just, it's just yet to rain on the glass. And you're like, oh man, calm down. But we need to be, we need to be careful <coughs> of these mindsets because many of us at times can carry inferiority complexes. We can be riddled with fear. And fear always magnifies the worst outcome. It's unbelievable how fear works. Well, it is believable, but it, it, it magnifies something way beyond. We're called to magnify the Lord and to worship Him, but fear, fear takes our circumstances, you know, and, and it magnifies something way and above and beyond actually where it is. A pessimistic negative spirit. Emotional tactics. Well, what does that mean? The ten spies were masters at using emotional scare tactics to arouse the people. They just stirred them up. When they presented their narrative, people started grumbling and they got fear. I want to tell you, fear spreads. Fear spreads so easy. When you've got somebody who's got an inferiority complex, they're riddled with fear. 
They're a pessimist, a bit negative. Their emotional tactics work wonderfully well because they present just little by little and they pull you out. And the next thing is you're like, oh my gosh, I just can't handle this anymore. Then the last one is, is, is unbelief, a, a mindset of unbelief where the, you, you don't believe God. You don't believe His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. But these two spies had to wait 40 years because they got outvoted. So they had to wait 40 years in the wilderness, and at the end of the 40 years, they did enter the promised land, which was phenomenal, but they had to wait, and they had to keep conditioning their mind. Joshua, it talks in Joshua, the first few chapters, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. God keeps speaking to Joshua. Do you know why? Because his surround sound was fear. His surround sound was inferiority complex. His surround sound of his generation was fear, a pessimistic, negative spirit, emotional tactics. That was what surrounded him. So, he had no choice, but he probably absorbed some of that. But in the end, God spoke to him and said, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And Joshua and Caleb <coughs> went on to be great conquerors in, in God. Let's, let's look at the attitude um, of, of, of the good spies. Let's look at the next mindset on the next slide and what it says here. And what it says here is the mindset is one of confidence, one of courage, someone that's positive and an influence for good, and someone full of faith. And that's the difference with the mindset. <clears throat> you see, Caleb and Joshua, they had confidence with God that He was with them and they were determined to do His will. They absorbed it personally. They said, we are well able. We can do this. They didn't say God can do this. They said, we can do this, because God had already commissioned that they take the land. So, God had given them tremendous confidence. They had courage. They stepped in. Um, they tried to reason with people, but they wouldn't listen. And here's the thing, is he had tremendous courage. And that courage eventually manifested in, in the life in due time and due season. A positive, <clears throat> optimistic spirit. All of us need to be willing and able to, to do what God asks us to do. We need to be willing and able. Um, an influence for God. They didn't have influence in that generation, but in the next season, 40 years. Who Hands up who's willing to wait 40 years. Oh, no one. But anyway, in the next season of their lives, they had tremendous influence. And often, when you're a positive person, you're a faith person, there's a time and a season to wait, then suddenly you can step into your promises for God. And number five, they had faith. And this is the greatest asset that we can have in our lives. Apart from loving God and loving others, if we are full of faith, if we've got the gift of faith, if we can walk in that faith, exercise that faith, grow that faith, which means trusting in God despite the circumstances. You see, the children of Israel, when the spies went out for 40 days and 40 nights, all they saw, 10 of them, all they saw was the negative things. They, they were magnified by fear. They were magnified by these things. But the, the, the Joshua and Caleb saw the potential of what was great. I want to announce to you here this morning, ladies and gentlemen, God sees the potential within you, and He wants to celebrate it and He wants to use you for His glory. I want to announce to you here today, if you've been intimidated by fear, if your mind has been beset by all these negative things, if your mindset has been one that's been conditioned where you're full of fear, 
you, you, you know, you, you, you just lack that trust in God, that God can smash through that. And it takes courage to say, do you know what? I repent, God. I'm going to change. My mind has been full of negativity. My mind has been full of a lack of trust in you. My mind has been conditioned by my past historical experiences. And, are, and, and, and I've aligned myself with the fear and what other people have said about me. Forgive me, O oh God, for being someone who's aligned by circumstances rather than aligning with your word. Forgive me, O oh God. And as we ask God for forgiveness, something will change within us. But it's important that to change a mindset. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it talks about laying our bodies, laying our lives down as a sacrifice for God. But <clears throat> the great thing with him in that, these verses, it says, be transformed by the rene renewing of your mind. In other words, the re renewal of your mind and my mind is my responsibility and your responsibility. It is important that as we hear the Word of God, as we meditate upon it, as we listen to it, something changes within us as we read the Word, as we meditate it, and we allow it to bring the conviction that it deserves to bring about change in our lives. You see, it's easy to preach about change. It's easy to talk about change. But the greatest thing that we can do is actually change. Change is a scary word, but one of the things is it doesn't have to be scary. It can be a faithy word. In other words, celebrate the change that's going on within you. Celebrate what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart. Celebrate how He's igniting you and setting you on fire. Celebrate the fact that you've been challenged by the Word of God, and He said that you shouldn't, that the Word says this, and I'm acting like this, so therefore, I'm, I'm not above the Word. The Word is above me. Jesus Christ is Lord, and because of because of his love and his courage to go to the cross, because of his mindset of being determined to go through the cross for me, I'm going to renew my mind to align it with you, O God. I'm not going to be above your word, above the law. I'm going to be below your word. If your word says this and my lifestyle was different from your word, I'm going to align myself to your word because your word is higher than my ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. And it's important that we, we have that mindset as we embrace what God wants us to do in this time and in this season. <clears throat> Within every single person in the New Testament, when Jesus reached out to people, he touched people, he healed people. With his core 12, he, he, he changed some of the names, like from Simon to Peter. There was a change in his name, so there was a change in his mindset. But Jesus saw the potential. But here today, in life today, the Spirit of God releases the potential within us for his glory. And the giftings that are in this room this morning all of them can be released. Some of them will be released in church. The bulk of them will be released in the marketplace. That's reality. But the, the fact is that so many giftings will be released in this house for the glory of God. I want to speak to you here this morning. If you think, I've got nothing, I'm a nobody, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That God has destined you, that God has positioned you, and God has purposed you for His glory. And He's raising you up so that He can use you, so that even a kind word, you know, the Bible says a kind word turns away wrath. Just start with kind words. If you don't know how to use your mouth for God, just say, God, I'm going to start saying kind words to change some things, because a kind word turns away wrath. I'm surrounded in my workplace with angry people. The kind word turns away wrath. Turns away, turns away wrath. So learn to use the Word of God appropriately and powerfully in your context, and God will use you for His, for His glory. You might feel like you're surrounded by enemies at this time where 
in your sphere of influence, you might feel like, I've got no influence. I am the lone voice, or I am one of two people that speak in this way, and everybody else is saying going that way. But you know what? God will use your voice. Keep speaking what God shows you to speak, and your time will come where God elevates you and take you into that place that He's called you to be in, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for every single person here this morning. I thank you that you've given us a great word about a culture of potential. And Father, we thank you for the spies who entered the promised land, that they didn't look through a lens of fear, but they looked through a lens of faith. And Father, we thank you this morning that we don't have twisted minds, but we have the mind of Christ. And Father, we pray for any of us here this morning where our thinking is stinking, our minds are twisted, forgive us, O oh God. Help us renew our minds. We make a choice with our voice. We make that mind alignment for assignment. We change our minds for your glory, O oh God. And Father, we pray that we'd allow your word to take shape, to, to not just to take shape, but to take root in our lives. Help us, O oh God, we pray this morning. Father God, we pray that we, we wouldn't have inferiority. We wouldn't be full of fear. We wouldn't be negative. We wouldn't use emotional, manipulative tactics. We wouldn't be filled with unbelief. But God, I pray this morning that we would be full of your confidence, your courage. Give us tremendous courage, we pray, oh God. We pray that we would have a positive spirit, an optimistic, faith-filled spirit. And Father, I pray that we would be people who are an influence for good. And Father God, I pray as well this morning that you'd give us renewed faith, renewed faith. Lord, we thank you for your word in Philippians 4.13, and it, and it says, <clears throat> I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be bought, brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And Father, I pray you are the one that gives us the strength. And whatever we face in this time, in this season, we can do it through you, O oh God, because you give us great strength in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to have a song of worship. <coughs> Before we do that, I believe that salvation is for everyone. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Jewish Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed one, the one that came 2,000 years ago to save us, to rescue us, restore us, give us eternal life. If you don't know him here this morning, the Bible says that salvation is as close as our hearts and our minds. That if we believe in him, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that he is the Christ, that he is the son of God, that, that we shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. So it's easy to get saved if we believe in him. The hardest bit is walking it out. But here's the thing, that God, when we get saved, when we believe in Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. And as we receive the Holy Spirit, something supernatural takes place in our life for the glory of God. And we're then enabled and empowered to live a life for God if we choose to. This is the end of your teaching for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 